At Online MedEd, we walk you through every topic in detail, so you're ready for the boards and the wards. In normal and abnormal labor, we define norms for the actual process of labor, from contractions to delivery. And then we define some of the pathology, spending most of the time on the power, also considering passenger and pelvis. In L&D path, we're going to focus on the pathology around labor, that is, before and after. And we're going to pay particular attention to rupture of membranes and timing of onset of labor. So let's build those norms. From the beginning of conception, all the way through until too long in the oven, there's a couple of landmarks that I want you to remember. 20 and 24 are frustrating, and as you'll see, it varies based on the diagnosis. Up to this point, it is a non-viable fetus, and delivery means abortion. It's also ethical, 20, 24, which do you use? The test cannot give you a gestational age between 20 and 24, and have you choose on something that is in disagreement currently. Spend a lot of time on that because 2024 comes up a lot. In this lesson, I'm going to use 24 and 20 for different diseases. Between 24 and the next two I want you to remember, which is 37 and 42, a pregnancy is deemed to be preterm. Consider 24 to 37 the thing to memorize. This is preterm. Gestational age 37 to 42, it's considered term. Prior to 24 weeks, or the age of viability, which of course is going to vary between 20 and 24, depending who you ask, this is an abortion. If you're in the oven for longer than 42 weeks, being in too long is bad too, that's called post-dates. Now everything we just discussed was in relation to the onset of labor. The landmarks I want you to remember are 2024, which should be considered the same thing, 3742, and then the treatment age 34. Treatment age 34 with an asterisk. See what I mean by the end of the lesson. But in addition to the onset of labor, we also want to talk about the onset of rupture of membranes. The rupture of membranes is supposed to happen. It's a normal process of delivery. It is only normal when the fetus is term and there are contractions. It is called premature rupture of membranes if it is term and no contractions. If rupture of membranes occurs preterm, it is called preterm rupture of membranes. I've abbreviated that PPROM for preterm and premature rupture of membranes. Of course, it's not going to be as clean as this in real life. The nomenclature refers to onset of contractions and onset of labor. 
but I'm making these discrete diseases so you can keep them separate. You either have preterm labor or you have preterm rupture of membranes without preterm labor, which is P-prom. Prom is premature, but at term. And it has to do with the relationship of where the gestational age is and the onset of contractions. But in addition to onset, you also have to be concerned with duration. The duration of labor should not exceed 18 hours. That is, from the time there is rupture of membranes to the time the delivery is over, that is, baby and placenta come out, should last less than 18 hours. If it goes longer, it is called prolonged rupture of membranes. Okay, let's start off with rupture of membranes in general. So we can get an understanding of what's happening. In rupture of membranes, the sac around the fetus opens and baby is allowed to engage the cervix and start the birthing process. This can happen spontaneously and most often does. It is a necessary part of the birthing process. But sometimes the membrane doesn't tear and delivery occurs anyway. We can facilitate ROM by artificially rupturing the membranes. But every once in a while, you're going to get a pathologic cause of rupture of membranes, which is generally going to be an infection, either group B strep, vaginal flora, or an STI. Baby is sitting in the sac. Remember, the sac is surrounded by the chorion, which forms the, the cord and the placenta, and it is floating inside the amniotic fluid. This keeps baby protected physically. There's a cushion of fluid so he doesn't get hurt when mom moves around and also protects her from ascending infections. The cervix is closed as well and so too are the membranes. Infections can't get in so baby is safe to develop. But in order to engage the cervix and be birthed, what happens is that as contractions begin, the membranes rupture, the fetus engages, because all of the fluid that was in the amniotic sac exits the cervix and out through mom. This is good because it helps baby engage and now the uterus is contracting on the fetus and not on the, the protective fluid layer. But it is bad because now ascending infections can get into baby and into mom. Rupture of membranes is what women describe as breaking their water. It is a rush of fluid. It is the amniotic fluid. And this rush of fluid may be, and all of these are normal, stained with meconium, be bloody, or be clear. But certainly mom is going to know because usually it's a lot. But the amount of fluid that comes out is dependent on the amount of fluid that was in there to begin with. So an oligo pregnancy may not have that much. But a normal pregnancy will be noticeable, and mom's going to come to see you and tell you, hey, my water broke. When she does, you want to ensure that indeed it is a rupture of membranes. And you do that with a speculum exam. What you'll see is pooling. Not all of the fluid exits her vagina immediately, so you'll see pooling in back. And bonus points for the test is going to be the nitralazine 
blue test, where the fluid turns the sample blue, or underneath the slide, you see ferning. These are usually contained in the vignette to confirm that yes, this is rupture of membranes. Not so much gonna be an answer choice. And you might wanna confirm it with an ultrasound, and the ultrasound will show you oligohydramnios. The idea is there's a normal mount before the rupture, and after the rupture, all of the fluid came out of mom, so now there's not that much left behind. The treatment of rupture of membranes usually is to deliver, but that's only true if you're at term. If it's part of a normal pregnancy, baby's at term, and it happened, this is supposed to happen, you just continue the delivery. If it is below the age of abortion, you also deliver, but in this case you're delivering an abortion. If it is in between, you have to decide, is it worth it? What's the risk versus the benefit of baby staying in longer? The benefit of staying in is maturation, and most of the time that means maturation of the lung. And the risk is going to be an ascending infection that can get into mom or baby. The earlier this happens, the younger the fetus, the more benefit there is to staying in. The older, the higher the gestational age, the less benefit there is. Let's talk about first premature rupture of membranes, abbreviated PROM. In this case, premature rupture is usually caused by an infection. The one you want to be targeting is group B strep. The patient, by definition of being premature, is going to have a rupture of membranes and are going to be at term. But there are no contractions, and contractions are usually the thing that start the rupture. In this case, something else caused them to rupture. The diagnosis is going to be made clinically you just identify that there has been a rupture of membranes. But also you're going to look back at our GBS status. This is why we do this on screening. The treatment, what you're going to do, is going to be based on her GBS status. Because it is term, it is only premature, not preterm, the baby is term, you're going to deliver. And how you deliver is going to be dependent not on the diagnosis, but on the severity of your patients. We say this in just about every lesson in the obstetric series. How you deliver the method and how urgently you do it is going to be dependent on how sick baby and mom are. An induction, crash section, or just wait, because if the contractions are right around the corner, you don't have to do anything. You're not going to make those decisions of gray. You're just going to say, hey, deliver. The question you have to answer is, do I give ampicillin? If the baby is group B strep positive, or you don't know, you give ampicillin. This keeps baby safe. If you know the group B strep negative, then all you have to do is watchful waiting. This is premature rupture of membranes, and let's talk about what happens if you have preterm. And again, because preterm labor is its own diagnosis, which would involve preterm rupture of membranes as a normal part of the labor. We're going to talk about this in the setting of preterm, premature rupture of membranes, PPROM. Pathology here is still going to be focused 
at the infection, specifically group B strep. And by definition, you must have a rupture of membranes. But now you are preterm, so the baby is not at term, and it's premature, so there are no contractions. The diagnosis is going to be clinical, and all you identify is that, yes, there actually has been a rupture of membranes, and you also care about the GBS status. But here you enter into another decision point. Because the baby is preterm, you have to weigh the risks and benefits of keeping baby in. You're going to do that based on the gestational age. If baby is over 34 weeks, asterisk, come back to it later, you deliver. If the fetus is less than 24, and I'm using 24 for preterm rupture of membranes, less than 24 weeks is considered an abortion. In between, you're going to give steroids for fetal lung maturation. And again, the benefit is higher the younger the fetus. The problem with preterm, premature rupture of membranes is that it may lead also to prolonged rupture of membranes. Because contractions haven't started yet, baby might not get out within the 18 hours. So let's talk about prolonged. If you have prolonged, another P, watch your P's. If you have prolonged rupture of membranes, this is more about the infection that gets in rather than the infection that caused it. This is about entrance of vaginal flora into mom. But also you still care about groupie strep. The patient is going to have, by definition, rupture of membranes and has not delivered. And this process has taken greater than 18 hours. The di diagnosis is going to be made clinically. All you need to do is ensure there has been rupture of membranes. And prolonged ROM, very similar to premature, is going to be delivery, and how you deliver is going to be based on the severity and the group B strep status. If you're group B strep positive or you don't know, give ampicillin, because what you care about is group B strep. If she's group B strep negative, you can wait. But what you're waiting for, leaving mom open, is a potentially fatal infection, endometritis and chorioamnionitis. Now I'm going to take some time to write these words out and say them and explain their meaning because they sound very intimidating, but really they make a lot of sense. Rupture membrane, fluid came out. Membranes are open. Cervix is dilating. Uterus is exposed. If you leave the door open too long, you can end up getting endo metritis, infection of the endometrium, or chorioamnionitis, infection of the chorioamnion, which is the sac. The idea is that it's the same disease. Vaginal flora ascends into mom's sterile uterus, and the risk increases the longer the doors are open. If baby is still in, the thing that the infection finds is the sac, thus chorioamnionitis. If baby is delivered, the thing that the infections find is mom's uterus, endometritis. 
The way you're going to see this present is going to be a person who has prolonged ruptured membranes during delivery and mom gets a fever or becomes toxic. There's some method of showing you, hey, this person may be infected. They're inflamed. And your reflex is going to be, oh, it's an infection. I should get a culture. A vaginal culture is absolutely always the wrong answer. The reason is that vaginal flora cause these infections. The vagina is not sterile. If you cultured the vagina, you'd see vaginal flora, but you wouldn't know if what you cultured is the thing in the uterus. Don't do a vaginal culture. Instead, what you'll do is rule out other infections, like with a urinalysis, a chest x-ray, and blood cultures. But because you're in an obstetrics question, or you're in the OB delivery room, and you've got a mom with prolonged rupture of membranes and she's febrile, you're going to jump to infection of the thing that's being messed with. So therefore, you need to treat the vaginal flora, gram negatives, and anaerobes. You do that empirically with ampicillin, gentamicin, and most places, and what I want you to learn is and clinda. Remember, baby's almost out of mom, and so you don't have to worry about teratogens. They're not going to impact baby, but you do need to treat gram negatives and anaerobes. And you can do that with ampicillin, gentamicin, and clindamycin. There are other op options for people who are allergic. Learn amp, gent, clinda. I want you to see the first third of the board as a problem with timing of rupture of membranes. I want you to see this middle half of the board with duration of rupture of membranes. And the third half I want you to see as timing of the onset of labor. What happens if you've got preterm labor? That is, baby's coming out too soon. This is the leading case of morbidity and mortality, especially for the baby. The earlier baby comes out, the less mature they are, the more likely they are to die. These are the babies that end up in the NICU and are the size of your palm. The most common cause is idiopathic. That is, we don't know, it just happens. But there are certain risk factors which increase mom's risk of delivering preterm. That is cigarette smoking, young maternal age, multiple gestations, preterm ROM, and then some uterine and anatomical defects that you'd find out about after the fact. The patient, by definition, is having contractions because she's in labor. But a woman who comes in saying, I'm in labor because I feel my contractions, needs to be confirmed. This is the onset of labor. Once labor starts, you can't stop it. You can delay it, but you can't stop it. So preterm labor is defined by the presence of contractions, yes, but you must also have, this is an and statement, cervical change. Mom may come to you feeling contractions, but if there's no cervical change, that is not the onset of labor. You're, of course, going to observe it to make sure those contractions go away without cervical change. If that does happen, she never entered labor and can be sent home. You have contractions, cervical change, and you are preterm. The diagnosis here is clinical. And the treatment is going to be based on gestational age. Greater than 34 weeks, Asterisk, deliver. How you deliver is going to be based on how sick mom and baby are. 
it's not worth the risk of staying in longer because they're almost fully developed. If you're less than 20 weeks and notice the switch from 24 at preterm rupture of membranes to preterm labor, 24 to 20, this is considered an abortion. In between, you're gonna weigh the risks and benefits, and in addition to steroids for fetal lung maturity, you're going to add tocolytics. In reality, tocolytics give you a day or hours. They are more useful to transfer mom to a tertiary or quaternary center equipped to handle preterm births rather than stop labor and send her home. You're going to get only a few hours a day, but that steroids and tocolytics will allow baby to stay in just a little bit longer in order to develop lung maturity. We used to do an amniocentesis to check the lethicin to sphingomyelin ratio. Don't do that anymore. Amniocentesis is always the wrong answer. There are, of course, going to be times where you don't want to delay labor. Maternal causes, fetal causes, and placental causes all exist. Conditions like preeclampsia with severe features where mom is going to seize if baby doesn't come out, deliver. Or fetal demise, fetal distress, maternal instability, or placental problems where staying in is not going to help baby like an abruption. I don't want you to learn a correlation of if this disease, then don't delay. What I want you to learn is, if they're too young, don't worry about it. If they're old enough, let them out. If they're in between steroids and tocolytics because you want to mature the lung. Coming out too soon is really bad, and we talk a lot about this in pediatrics. But being in too long is also bad. Being post-dates is problematic as well and can lead to fetal demise. We don't really know why we have post-dates, but usually it's because we don't actually know when the pregnancy started. That's going to be the dilemma you'll have. In post-dates, why you care is because baby can end up macrosomic and put him at risk for shoulder dyscocia. Or she can develop dismaturity. That is, you stay in too long and it hurts baby and you can lead to fetal demise. The patient is going to be greater than 40 weeks by conception or 42 weeks by dates. If mom is doing everything she's supposed to be doing, she comes in to plan her pregnancy, chooses when to conceive, and has a very early first prenatal visit, then you're going to know with certainty what week she's at. The problem is, you have to ask yourself, how sure are you how far along she is? And if you remember, if you get diagnosed in the third trimester, there's plus or minus three weeks by ultrasound. And so what you're going to be left with is, I know leaving baby in too long is bad. And after 42 weeks by dates, baby comes out. Induction, C-section, whatever she wants, but baby has to come out. The question is, how do you know if it's 42 weeks? The treatment is based on, instead, how sure you are of the dates. What's mom's cervical position? And that will help you with your treatment. If you are sure and her cervix is favorable, then you can do an induction. This will include fetal lie. 
if you are sure and it's unfavorable, then you're probably going to go with C-section. Now, it is not necessarily the cervical positioning that determines which one you do. I just want to show you that if you're sure, she's at 42 weeks, coming out. If you're not sure, though, it doesn't matter what the cervix is. You have to give your best guess of whether or not it's worth it to leave baby in. To do that, you have to assess how well baby is doing. You do that with a non-stress test, an ultrasound, in order to build a biophysical profile. We encountered this when we were evaluating the fetus during decreased fetal movement or high risk. If you don't know the dates, you say, well, how is baby doing? If baby's doing great, let her stay in. If baby starts to do poorly, that's the time you deliver. What I want you to remember from this lesson are these dates. 2024, see them as the same. 3742, term, post dates. The treatment date is 34. Asterisk. What's the asterisk? We have evidence that shows treating prematurity up to week 37 shows improvement. On the test, it's going to be 34 weeks because the benefit is substantially greater at less than 34 weeks. The treatment week 34. For rupture membranes, it's supposed to happen. Look for nitralazine blue and uh, ferning on the slide. That's the, te the test question telling you there's rupture of membranes. Premature is yes membranes, yes term, no contractions. You're going to deliver because they're term. Ampicillin if they're GBS positive or you don't know. Preterm rupture occurs in the preterm period. There's no contractions. And this you have to decide, are you going to give steroids or not? Having preterm puts you at risk for prolonged. Prolonged is the onset of rupture of membranes to delivery has been more than 18 hours. And even if baby is out, the fact that she had prolonged rupture still puts her at risk for having that infection. If you've diagnosed prolonged, protect baby with ampicillin based on group B strep status. If you find a woman who has or had prolonged rupture of membranes and is now toxic, consider endometritis or chorioamnionitis. The difference being baby out for endo, baby in for choreo. Don't get a vaginal culture. Treat with AMP, GENT, and CLINDA. Preterm labor is problematic for baby. We talk a lot about it in pediatrics. What you have to decide is one, is she really in labor, which is contractions and cervical change. And then what you're going to do is give steroids and tocolytics to delay delivery to try to develop fetal lungs. If they're over 34 weeks, just deliver. If they're less than 20, it's an abortion. Post dates are just as bad. It can lead to fetal demise. What you want to do is ask yourself how sure you are of the dates. If you're sure, baby comes out. How you decide, a little more advanced. If you don't know, you have to routinely assess baby and have that delivery happen as soon as things start to go south. That is L&D pathology.